Hey, listeners. After five babies, I've changed a lot of diapers. And I have opinions about them. A lot of people think Pampers Cruisers 360 are best to use when your baby is older. But in my experience, they're the best diapers to use as soon as your baby starts standing or walking. That's because these diapers don't have ordinary diaper tabs. They have a unique 360-degree stretchy waistband that makes it so easy to change your wiggly baby who just can't stop moving. Just slide on to apply, rip the sides to remove, and roll everything up with the disposal tape on the back. Pampers Cruisers 360 offer a gap-free fit that is up to 100% leak-proof and just got even better with a new blowout barrier. And since these diapers stretch with your baby, your active baby can move all over the place, getting into everything as usual. Pampers Cruisers 360 are available in sizes 3 to 7 and now feature fun new prints. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change, and certain restrictions may apply. Hi, this is Laura Vanderkam. I'm a mother of five, an author, journalist, and speaker. And this is Sarah Hart Unger. I'm a mother of three, a practicing physician, and blogger on the side. We are two working parents who love our careers and our families. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. Here we talk about how real women manage work, family, and time for fun. From figuring out childcare to mapping out long-term career goals, we want you to get the most out of life. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. This is Laura. This is episode 288, airing in early February of 2023. Our topic is when things don't go as planned, because as we all know, life does not always go as planned. And we say this as people who love to plan. However, I don't think there's nearly as much tension between those two concepts as it is often made out to be that, you know, we plan even though life doesn't go as planned. And there's really still some upsides to planning even when life doesn't go as planned, which we will talk about. But speaking of things not going as planned, Sarah recently recovered from a rather lovely illness, which, of course, illnesses are never really planned and they never really come at perfect moments, right? What, how did you deal with that? Yeah, I like tested positive for everything. I mean, 
It was more, I wanted to see if I had flu because my daughter I thought had flu and her class had flu. And I was like, maybe I should do Tamiflu or just know if I have flu in case other members of my family get sick so that they could do Tamiflu. I went to Walgreens, I got a swab, it was very easy. And then they called and they're like, you have flu A. You also have COVID. <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> flu Rona. Cool. <laughs> and then Flu-rona. the next day on NPR, up first, which is like, as you know, or you may know, it's like the only news source that I watch or listen to. The like leading story was people are getting multiple viruses at once. And I was like, <laughs> like yes, woo-hoo. I am on the pulse of what is happening. <laughs> I am current. Literally. I am trendy. Um, <laughs> I'm trendy. Exactly. That was definitely a reminder that life didn't go as planned. And, you know, this was like mid-January. I was so excited. All these goals, all these fresh dreams for the month. My Best Laid Plans Academy was about to launch. And I was kind of like, oh, my God, will I be too sick to run that after I've, you know, worked so hard to put it together and have all these excited participants. And it ended up working out. It was a rough week. I'm not going to lie. Annabelle was also sick. Nobody else got COVID. (laughs) She had flu, I think. And I'll never know. But... Her COVID was negative and she was quite sick and her whole class had flu. So I think she had flu, but she was able to stay home with me. And, you know, she's now going to be 11 in April. So having a kid that big stay home with you is not the same as having like a four-year-old stay home with you. And she was just able to like read on the couch and hang out. And I was lucky enough to get sick over a three-day weekend and then was able to convert my in-person patients to telehealth and thankfully was well enough to do that telehealth by the time my first patient day rolled around. So I didn't actually end up missing any work. I phoned in a very short Best Laid Plans episode. I'll say if there was anything that got compromised, it was that. It was a very rough day. I think it's a 10-minute episode on being sick. And Best Laid Plans Academy ended up going really well because I had done a lot of the preparation already in advance. It had taken a lot of planning and putting materials together. So thankfully, I just needed to be well enough to give my presentation. And I was. So that's kind of how it worked. And I'm really like, I need to knock on some hard surfaces or something, but nobody else got sick in the family. So it turned out to be somewhat of a best case scenario. But of course, none of us ever plan to get sick. It's never fun. And it always disrupts something. Yeah. And this is airing in, in February, which is, of course, illness central, the whole, I mean, whole winter months for, I mean, our Northern Hemisphere listeners, obviously, which you Australian people will get this in a couple months in, in their winter. But uh, the seasonal illness thing is just crazy. And, you know, people who have not had young children don't really understand how frequently they can get sick. I, I was finding some links about this. The CHOP, Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, their literature, very cheerfully announces with like exclamation points that Young children can get sick with respiratory or, you know, gastrointestinal viruses six to eight times a year, like, you know, exclamation point. Like, you know, you may be surprised to find out that it's like, well, this is nice little like literature they give out to parents, but it's true. And we often then need to deal with it as the parents uh, of these kids. We can get sick ourselves. And, you know, as a parent, you're sick, caring for sick kids. It's all kinds of fun. It's something that is probably relevant for our listeners. There is pretty good evidence that in mom-dad families um, where both parents work, women are far more likely to be the ones missing work in order to care for sick children. I was looking up some statistics on this for an article I was writing. There was a Kaiser Family Foundation survey from several years ago 
the good news is a plurality of families, you know, maybe it was like 40% of working fathers and like 35% of working mothers said it was a shared responsibility in their family that uh, caring for sick children. But if there was a situation where one parent was more likely to miss work to care for a sick child, then the proportion of women who said my partner does that was only 3%. The proportion of men who said my partner does that was 39%. So we're talking a 13 to 1 ratio in terms of you know, who winds up missing work for caring for sick kids. So, you know, not saying that's right or wrong. People might have different things. You know, so I'm sure some might be preference. Some is gendered assumption. It's all over the map. There can be multiple explanations for any given scenario. But the reality is that as a mother who has a career, often you do need to think about how life will not go as planned and even if you, you know, even if your partner is staying home with your kids, even if, you know, you have, I don't know, 24-7 nanny coverage, there's things that can still go wrong in life. So you want to always be thinking through this to decide how you can keep moving forward on your goals and make life feel livable. So we're going to go ahead and dive right into, you know, how we should plan given that life doesn't go as planned, which first, Sarah you're going to make an argument for we still plan, right? Yes, I definitely think we should still plan. I mean, like just what you just said with children getting six to eight illnesses a year, pretending that that doesn't happen and not thinking through what is, you know, what are the moving parts going to have to look like when it does is like kind of fooling yourself because we all know that like, it's much, much more likely that there's going to be multiple rounds of things like this than not. It's actually other than back in like, immediately post pandemic day when everybody, you know, but then other things could disrupt stuff. So I guess, you know, obviously not a shock coming from someone who has a podcast called Best Laid Plans. But I think planning for things is really, really important, particularly looking to see like what could go wrong and how could I deal with that looking a few weeks ahead into your calendar into your husband, uh, partner's calendar and like, figuring out like, if a kid is sick, if you lose childcare, what would happen? I'm not going to say that like, we have a detailed conversation every single week about like, well, what if what if what if, but we definitely do take the time, especially at the start of each week, to think about, like, especially if there's any signs that a kid could be getting sick, exactly who could miss which day, who's more flexible on, on which particular days. I would say I probably bear the brunt of a heavier load, but there are times when my husband's more flexible and he is able to, you know, maybe start a, his cases late so that I could do a morning clinic and then we would swap and like really, really thinking through those things. In addition to thinking about things like, you know, where would you go for care? Like, do you have a, an urgent care close by that you've identified? Do you keep your medicines at home and like stocked with kind of like the basics, maybe just even just children's ibuprofen, Tylenol, like whatever you tend to use, like thinking about the different scenarios and having those conversations and thoughts before they are happening rather than when you're stressed in the moment is always beneficial. I've never regretted taking that time or having an extra bottle of fever reducer in my in my cupboard. Yes, you're not going to regret having a infant Tylenol in your house. So <laughs> just go get some more. If it, you know, if there is an infant person under six, whatever in your house, you you want to have that around. But even just backing up from this, I, you know, I've I've seen sometimes people make the argument of like, well, what is the point of planning given that life doesn't go as planned? And I, I mean, I think that is such a false choice. I mean, for starters, 
yes, life doesn't go as planned, but a lot of plans do in fact happen. And there's also certain things that are never going to happen if you don't plan. I mean, like if you wanted to go back to school and get a degree, like that does not just randomly sneak up on you. <laughs> like, you know, it's not going to be like, whoa, next thing I knew I had my master's. I, you know, who would have seen that coming? Like, you know, there are certain things that if you want to do are going to require planning, even if life doesn't happen as as planned. I mean, maybe somebody will call you and say, like, we're about to give you and your family an all expenses paid trip to New Zealand. Like, we've arranged all the logistics, <laughs> you know, and we called your boss and got the days off, you know, but probably not. Probably not. So certain things are going to require planning. Most things in the next week can, to a degree, be anticipated. So we can always use the phrase plan tightly and then plan lightly. So, you know, the next week or two can be fairly tightly scheduled with some exceptions. We'll talk about those in a minute. But then further in the future, it can be thought of more as intentions rather than discrete plans. Sarah talked about asking about what could go wrong. Yeah. I mean, you do this though. You, you're When you look at your calendar, you you ask what could go wrong. A hundred percent. I look for where people, kids have overlapping activities and who has to drive basic things. I mean, even this week, I anticipated that we would not be finished recording in time for me to take Genevieve to her, her dentist appointment. And I arranged to meet our nanny there so that I wouldn't have to worry about a tight turnaround, like things like that. Always. And the closer I get to a given you know, day, then the more detailed I'm going to get with, with that kind of thing. But I, I never regret looking ahead. It's always better to have thought through a few extra things than to be surprised by something that really should not have been a surprise. Or like if you're, you know, my car, there's a light that goes on when it needs maintenance, but there's also a light that goes on before it needs maintenance. That's like your car is going to need maintenance. I love that light. (laughs) I love that light. That light helps me plan. I mean, I could choose to ignore it and be like, maybe it won't ever, you know, say I need it. But in reality, it's always going to. So this is my you know chance to go ahead and book my service appointment. Nice. Nice. Planning ahead. Yeah. Part of my Friday planning, I looking forward to the next week or two and seeing what could go wrong and maybe scanning a little forward for that. I will caution people. You probably don't want to be thinking too many, too detailed on logistics more than a couple weeks ahead of time, just because so much is unknown. That's the tension between, you know, life doesn't go as planned. And I've talked on this podcast before about the amount of effort I put into thinking about a certain weekend in May in 2020. You know, I was thinking about this in like late January, early February before everything went down. And I was like, oh, that's gonna be a really rough weekend. We've got all this stuff like, you know, we're gonna need multiple trade. You know. And then of course, none of the things I was worried about actually came to fruition in May of 2020 because they were all canceled, right? Because of the pandemic. I mean, there were other things we had to worry about that weekend, but not that. So that doesn't mean that if you can see that you're going to have to stay late at work next Thursday, and that is when your partner has arranged to meet his old college buddy who's in town for the night, that you probably shouldn't think that through, like how you two are going to solve that. That's something you should think about. Three months, four months from now, maybe maybe a little less so for for random one off things like that. But yeah, even I'm I'm always thinking about what could go wrong, and maybe that's like a pessimistic way to view through life. But recently, we hosted Alex's birthday party at this like climbing gym, and it's not easy to get a time for a birthday. Like they're they're you know they do a lot of parties, and Friday and Saturday and Sundays book up very quickly. I mean, if you want to have a party on like Wednesday afternoon, fine, but like you can't do that with eight year olds; they have stuff going on. So 
I had booked a party for Saturday early evening because I thought that would be a good time. And then, of course, the Eagles wind up in the playoffs. And I knew that there were four games that weekend. Three of the slots would have been fine. (laughs) One of the slots would have, like, decimated the attendance at the party, right? Probably. I mean, some people not, you know, but but even like my husband was not going to be having because he had bought tickets. But you buy tickets not knowing when the game is going to be for the playoffs. Anyway, so I was definitely thinking that through, like, what are we going to do if it turns out that it is the time that he is? It wound up not being. It wound up being that his party was 5 to 7 p.m. and the Eagles game was at 8.15 p.m. that night. So it was all good. My husband and Sam left from the party like 15 minutes early to get down to, you know, the Eagle Stadium and it worked. But, you know, (laughs) that is some advanced level thinking through based on the I I, see that one might not have crossed my radar because like I don't follow pro football. So then I would have been really sad and at my party with no guests. (laughs) Yeah, no, I was was, you were like, why don't why? I don't even understand why. is nobody here well so i was like figuring this out like once i saw what the schedule was going to be like but we didn't know when the teams were in play i was like okay when are they going to decide it i was like is it either going to be on the tuesday or monday but it turned out to be the monday when as soon as they were done with the other games or even after one of the games was done they declared that the eagles were going to be playing the giants and at that time and so then i was like okay now i can send out the email to everyone you know saying confirm if you're coming looks like we'll be done well before the eagles are playing you know whatever so you know, it was only a few people who, and not even the guests, it's like people would be like, oh, well, my husband's going to the game. I'm switching who's picking up or whatever. But, you know, it wound up being fun. Anyway, on that note, let's take a quick ad break and then we'll be back with more on things not going as planned. Well, we are back talking about life not going as planned, uh, particularly thinking about this in winter with kids getting all sorts of seasonal illnesses, six to eight a year, as we learned. However, that is not the only thing that can go wrong in life. Um, You know, we can have professional sports games that people are going to want to watch happening at the same time as your kid's birthday party, or perhaps not, as it turns out. But in general, so we've talked about two things. First, you still need to plan. Second, ask what couldn't go wrong. Three, make backup plans. So I hadn't really thought of, I guess we were just going to have fewer people at the party. I, was, I wasn't going to be able to move it at that point because we had to book it like six weeks ahead of time for getting the spot. But, you know, in general, we think of this with some stuff already. Like if you were planning on going to the beach with friends who are in town and then, you know, what are you going to do if it rains? Like a lot of people do at least somewhat think through that kind of thing coming up with an option B. Or like call schedules sometimes mm-hmm. have somebody on backup call in case sometimes something happens to the, the initial person on call. Yeah. No, it's always good to think about what option B would be. Not only just so things don't go terribly awry, but often if you come up with a really cool option B, then you're not even disappointed necessarily when option A doesn't happen, right? Yes, although I'm thinking about 2020 and I'm like, oh, there was like no option. <laughs> there was no the option. Here. I'm thinking about all those canceled trips. I mean, some, sometimes you can't, but most of the time you can. Or I guess even in those times, people did scrape together some decent like family staycations or, you know, Zoom alternatives to in-person gatherings and stuff. So I guess people had to be creative and option B in those contexts may not have been quite as appealing as option A, but better than nothing, I guess. Better than nothing. Yeah. I've started, you know, some of my contracts, it's like, if you, you know, if there's like 
flight cancellation, the you know, you can in fact give it virtually. And sometimes that would be option B, you know, it would be a suitable option B, but sometimes, you know, it's not, you have to move the speech around if your flight is canceled or something like that. But I was remember in October of 2020, you know, we figured out that probably trick or treating wasn't going to happen, even though now we know that probably would have been fine, you know, just like you're outside. But, but I mean, people didn't really know all this stuff at the earlier in the, in the pandemic, but we wound up going to so many like other community events that were outdoors or that were socially distanced with throwing candy at the kids or whatever it was, or you go through a, a parade in your car through different things. And we went through so many of those that I'm not sure the kids even noticed that they didn't go trick-or-treating. Like the sheer volume of candy that had come up in our house and the number of occasions on which they wore their costume was such that it was like a full Halloween schedule. And that was on purpose. Like that was the option B. I was like, you know, this so stinks that if we're not going to be able to do option A, trick-or-treating, like let's come up with everything else we could do. And it was actually, you know, pretty fun. So yeah, always be thinking of option B. Leave open space in general. So this is Tranquility by Tuesday alert. Yeah, yeah. Rule number five is to create a backup slot. I think of this as like a rain date. So if you get invited to, say, a summer outdoor event, there's often a rain date for it. And this is just an incredibly brilliant concept because the organizers are acknowledging that much can go predictably wrong outside. I mean, the rain date name. And and yet there's no question of whether the event will be rescheduled or for when it will be on the rain date. And so that vastly increases the chances of the original event happening, even if not at the original time. And so in life, we want to think of creating a lot more rain dates for things in general. And sometimes it actually has been specifically a rain date for things I want to do. I remember a couple of summers ago, I was trying to work in everyone's mommy days. I, you know, Sarah and I have both done this. They take each of your kids somewhere for a day for something fun that the kid wants to do. And one kid wanted to go to an amusement park, which, of course, again, many things that can go predictably wrong with attempting to get to an amusement park. And it turned out that the day that we planned to go, there was like a tornado warning for that area. So it was like not going to happen. Even if like the safety issue ended there, it would have been miserable with like you know, pouring down rain and everything. So I had intentionally left a weekend day pretty open and I had asked ahead of time, like, Michael, don't you put anything either. Like you're going to be with the rest of the kids on that day if this day gets taken away from us during the week. And indeed it was with the tornado. So we went on, I don't know, if it was Saturday or Sunday. But that had been set up as, in fact, a rain date. So we still got to do it. And it's the kind of thing like, you know, you can envision like lots of disappointment happening if we hadn't done that, right? Because we'd said we were going to do this and there's a tornado, like the kid be really, really disappointed if they can't go. And then your schedule is blocked up for days and there's this probably too with camps or whatever else. But we had both left this open in, in order to have that. How do you I love, build a, yeah, go. Yeah, I just love the concept. I love your wording, resilient schedule. Yeah. Like you are, you should trademark that or something. I don't I think not, I can trademark that, but okay. <laughs> I, I had never heard that phrase. And I think it's just a great descriptor because I think some people's impulse is to create a very non, you know, resilient schedule that like every, you know, it's packed into every moment. And sometimes I myself am tempted to that, but I think I've gotten better over the years to really leave some blank space. For example, you and I never record like two seconds before, you know, our episodes are due. We always leave a little bit of leeway. 
in general, I feel like there are certain days of the week, like Friday afternoons and Thursdays, where I try to just leave some like blankness to just clean up messes that probably got started. Or like if I do have some one off somebody who wants to meet with me that I actually have some time available in the near future and don't have to give them a date like, you know, four weeks in advance. And then clinically, I've talked about this, but I figured out that I need to just request random vacation days throughout the year, like in addition to like the days I know I want to be off, sometimes to have if there's like a long stretch, and I haven't booked anything in terms of paid time off days, I have to actually reserve them. Because the thing is, the way we schedule so far out with patients, if I don't have somewhere that's like open to move patients to, then if something did come up, it's like, oh, well, sorry, Sarah, I know that's four months in advance. But like, you know, if we move those patients, where are we going to move them? Because you're booked until eight months in advance. And it's like, oh, my God. So I figured out that I just have to like leave some of these random one offs. And worst case scenario, if I decide, oh, I don't actually need to use that day. I mean, first of all, I can usually always talk myself into using a day. But if I can't, then the nature of what I do is that usually there's many patients we could put in as like, hey, we have an opening, would you like to come sooner? And we could fill that day without a problem. So definitely love the concept of a resilient schedule. And I think part of that is just don't pack it like sardines with one thing right next to each other. Don't pack your Zoom meetings, you know, 11 to 12 and 12 to 1. Like it should be like 11 to 1140 and 12 to 1225 or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. I feel like this is when people get really into scheduling at the beginning, and I, it's often with like young people. And so there's some kids and you know teens who start getting into scheduling or and then they create these every five minute schedules for their evening or it's like, no, no, life doesn't go like that. That's but you have to discover that often on your own. But um, you allocate five minutes to X and then five minutes to Y. You won't stick with any of it. You won't remember it. But, you know, sometimes people are still doing that as adults of like thinking they will get through all these things. But the more open space you have, the better you will be able to accommodate stuff that goes wrong. You know, I attempt to leave Fridays more open because then if something takes longer than expected, there's a place to put the spill over. I can still get to it on Friday without having to bump it to the next week, which will probably have crises of its own. You know, if an emergency happens and something gets bumped from earlier in the week, it can go on Friday. Or if something really cool comes up, right, like that I didn't know about at the beginning of the week and as some brand new opportunity, then I've got space on Friday to schedule anything that needs to happen with that to bring that to fruition. So definitely something I'm trying to do. I know not everyone can do that. I'm well aware of that. That's the first thing people say, well, I can't leave all Friday. I'm not saying you have to. I'm saying put some open space in your life. So maybe it's, you know, an open hour a day. Maybe it is two afternoons a week are mostly open with just a little bit here and there. But but whatever you can do to get in the habit of leaving a little bit more open space, it sounds like, well, how could I? I'm so busy. You'll be less busy if you do this because then you won't keep bumping stuff to the next week. And that's what makes us feel all tightly packed is when we're still catching up from the previous stuff as we're trying to deal with the stuff that's, you know, immediately in front of us. So I, I just realized it's like it's like a time emergency fund. It is a time emergency fund. That's a that's a good way to refer to it because and in fact, in one of the people who was in the Tranquility by Tuesday project who learned the strategy of building a more open space, she says, I felt almost too relaxed. <laughs> Isn't that quite a line? But she said she did everything she was supposed to do that week, right? Like everything got done. So clearly, she had just been living in this state of panic in her previous life without the space to put the spillover. And, 
you know, that creates its its own problems. She had been living the equivalent of paycheck to paycheck as far as time was concerned. And having open space is like having that emergency fund. So when your roof springs a leak, you are not going into debt. You are just paying it, moving on with your life. Love it. And then finally, I think we wanted to talk about the idea that like, sometimes we have to like shift our perspective on plans changing. And this is partly for me because I love to plan and I don't like when plans change, but sometimes I have to recognize like what is an actual emergency and what is more crafted or artificial. So for example, moving a podcast recording or even gasp, releasing an episode one day late, like (laughs) not actually an emergency. Nobody's bleeding. Like it's okay. Or, you know, moving a day of patience to a different day or like having to not even go on that trip with my husband that I was so looking forward to. And then we both got COVID and drove home and it like sucked. Like as frustrating as those things are, like perspective, we're healthy. We made it through. We can take more trips in the future. That wasn't our last chance. And sometimes to just, you know, remember that things that seem very rigid and very, but this is what I had planned. Like, you know, the worst case scenario is not actually that bad. Obviously there are things in life where the worst case scenario you know, is that bad getting your kid a refill of a medication that keeps them alive, for example, that's like an actual emergency, but like moving your family trip, not. (laughs) (laughs) And then part of that is celebrate when things do go right. And sometimes we don't pause to acknowledge this, that like, oh, that went well, things did go as planned. You know, I should note that especially if we're we're prone to think of, oh, I, you know, why even plan? Like, I can't stick with the plan. So why even bother? I mean, there's many things that do go right. I mean, you know, after a couple of years of you guys having a COVID Christmas <laughs> issues. Yeah, you had your Christmas. We had a great trip. And yeah. nobody was sick on that trip. And nobody got hurt. Exactly. So and honestly, if I had had to choose whether my July trip got messed up or that trip got messed up, I would have picked the July trip getting messed up. So There you go. You win some, you lose some. But you win some. (laughs) You win some. You win some. And in fact, sometimes we win some when things like go. I mean, you talk about things don't go as planned. I mean, that sounds like, you know, we've been mostly talking about it in a kind of negative context of things coming up that are not planned, that are taking us away from what we had hoped to do in in a somewhat negative way. Although I mentioned earlier, sometimes a good opportunity will come and you want to have space for that, too. So maybe have that mindset as well, that sometimes things go unexpectedly right. (laughs) Like you're not planning for them. Like blind luck can happen. Uh, You know, we've been uh, pondering that this February, I was mentioning to Sarah that on February 15 of 2003, so exactly 20 years ago of this month, I walked into a bar in New York City. That was my second bar of the night because I was young and did things like that then, uh, you know, and I was a friend was bored and texting me. So I was like, okay, fine, I'll leave this party I'm at and go hang out with her. And then started talking to a gentleman at the bar. And, you know, here we are 20 years later. <laughs> so with a lot of kids, with a lot of kids, you know, it's a good thing you didn't mention that at the bar. I probably would have been <laughs> fleeing out the door. <laughs> Unexpected well, it things. Out. <laughs> you know, it worked out. It yeah. Worked out. Yeah. Blind luck, you know. So Blind yeah. luck that this podcast exists, that exactly. you were ready to start a podcast when I was writing about starting a podcast. So we're like, hey, yeah, you just never know. Here we are five and a half years later, right? You know, so there's all these things that wind up being a big part of our lives that we don't necessarily see coming. So, you know, leave ourselves open to opportunity as well when things don't go as planned. So we're going to do a real quick check in 
on our goals and habits. Uh, we've been hearing from a lot of folks about our goals episode. I People who listen to this podcast just love goals. I, you know, it's the, we're into that. I love it. I love that they love it. And yes, I've gotten like comments from people I know in real life that listen to that episode. And I was like, wow. Who awesome. knew? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so we thought we'd do like a rapid fire, like update, like very Checking quick. in. Okay. So one month in, Sarah, what have you done? I tracked time for okay. two weeks. I have appreciated some art. I went to a movie in the theaters. I saw a man called Otto and I cried. I have been listening to more music yesterday. This like, oh, I don't remember the name of the band, but it was like this Welsh band. And I'm like, who knew I liked Welsh Welsh music? <laughs> like it sounded like Irish dancing. It was awesome. Anyway, I'll put it in the show notes or something. I have been watching more TV. You remember that was my goal, although it was mostly when I was sick, but still our library routine is like on point, loving it. And my house is not any more organized than it was at the end of 2022, but I have high hopes and I am not giving up. Good. Well, I, my house is slightly more organized. Like I'll go ahead and, you know, do my little like shout out for myself here because I have been assigning myself like one small spot per weekend, which I think is a good pace. Like you're not going to, you can tell yourself like, well, I'm going to get through all the boxes this week. You're not because like you still have everything else that you have to do, you know, you do grocery shopping or laundry, or, you know, deal with the kids activities and all that. And then you want to relax. Like the amount of time you have for discretionary projects on any given weekend is incredibly limited. So you want to make sure that it is focused. And so I said, okay, I'm going to do like these four boxes in the living room this weekend. And then I'm going to do the boxes in the other corner the next weekend. And then I'm going to do the stuff in the laundry room the next weekend. And each weekend I have, and I have gotten through that. And so now we have far fewer boxes in the living room. It is almost ready for the lamps, which as we learned <laughs> in the previous episode, it needs. We are getting stuff out the door. So I'm hoping to, you know, assign myself a few more spots over the next thing. But a goal was to get the boxes unpacked. And I would say that there are significantly fewer boxes now than there were when we recorded that episode. So, yay. Strength training. I am meeting with the trainer, as discussed in the previous episode. So, yay on that. I am also reading 10 pages a day of my Jane, Jane Austen. I'm in her juvenilia, although I'm finding out that some of her half-finished work has been put in the juvenilia, even though she might have written it later. So I, I'm still going to have to organize how I read the stuff that is not in the sixth novel canon that people know of. Stay tuned. I'm sure those of you who are Jane Austen scholars were hanging on every, <laughs> were just waiting to hear how I would deal with that issue on the reading. And maybe you have ideas. And so our, our Jane Austen scholars can write me about that. I've been writing two lines a day in my sonnet every day, completed you know, we're recording this in sort of late January. I've completed three halfway through four. It is very doable. I'm excited about it. I will have written 52 sonnets probably at the end of the year. Singing. So I'm doing a little bit more of vocal exercises, probably not as much as I thought I would. But here's the funny part. So I talked about signing up for voice lessons. I wound up signing my son up for voice lessons. Somehow he wanted to do it. I got my act together to get him signed up like inside a week with the particular teacher that his high school choir director had recommended. We've you know, got in touch with her, got him on her schedule and all that stuff. I've been talking about doing this for six years, have not signed myself up. So maybe that's my sign. Maybe I don't, maybe I'm not doing it, but I don't know. My uh, chamber choir is going to start singing again soon. So I'm excited about that. And in terms of couple connection, like having more time with my husband without kids. We are still eating lunch together many days that we are both home at noon. We've started going to the gym together some weekends. That's fun. 
you know, if we have a sitter, we might use that time to drive there together and you know, work out and drive home together. We've had some date nights, although humorously, we took Sam along for one recently. It wasn't supposed to be. So I had this idea as like a fun family adventure. Like I would take the kids who are open to different foods out for Chinese food to celebrate the Lunar New Year. That seemed like, you know, kind of a little adventure. Yeah, yeah. And then the number of children kind of dwindled (laughs) who wanted to do it. And finally, it was just Sam. And so I was like, well, you know, I guess my husband and I could just go out. But since he wants to go, I guess we'll take him. And so the three of us went out to eat and we went to a Pan-Asian place and they actually got sushi. (laughs) But oh, well, I got Szechuan chicken and wonton soup and I think that was probably special for Sam. Yeah. I mean, obviously, kids his age aren't going to like say that out loud, but like, that's super cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's fine. I mean, it's, if we were going to take one child, he was probably the right one to take for that because he actually ate <laughs> ate the sushi. But yes, that was our event there. So that's a little quick update on our goals. Hope everyone is sticking with theirs. So moving to the question section. This is from a listener who is listening to our goals episode. Like I said, we got a ton of mail about this one. Anyway, she had a question about advice for transitions. She has toddlers, so that term is always on top of our mind because those of us who have toddlers, you know, you can't just suddenly spring on people necessarily that they have to get out the door right now and start telling them like, okay, in a little bit after this song is done, we are going to go put our shoes on. (laughs) Anyway. She says, I'd love to start fitting in little bits of reading during downtimes in the day, in a few minutes in the car as I'm early for pickup or something, and also get into a reading habit at night. But I find that when those few free minutes present themselves or at the end of the day, I feel kind of brain dead. And the idea of opening a book or the Kindle app and remembering what was going on last time I read and reading just a few more pages doesn't sound appealing. And I end up mindlessly scrolling instead. Admittedly, I've always been much better at a deeper, focused flow style of work, and I really crave that kind of time to read again, but I recognize I'm not in that season of life. I realize that I tend to do the same thing after workouts and a little before where I just kind of sit absentmindedly in silence and end up adding 10 minutes to whatever I was doing. Should I just accept these wasted minutes as part of the activity time, or is there a way to be more efficient in transitions? So Sarah, you had some thoughts about using these transition times for reading and and her, you know, doing that. Yes. I was curious where she came up with the idea of using them for reading specifically and whether it's because she really wants to read more or finds it enjoyable to read in small chunks, or if she's trying to achieve some sort of moralistic ideal or keep up with, you know, the number of books that some Instagrammer reads for Or she's been listening to Tranquility by Tuesday, rule number nine, effortful before effortless. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And I, I mean, I get that. But at the same time, she's kind of describing the situation where she does not enjoy reading in small chunks. And she's like finding it really hard to concentrate. And she's like not getting into it. And I guess I'm just wondering if maybe like maybe she needs to read other times. And then in the small chunks of time, there's something else she could be doing. Now, I do understand when the default activity is scrolling. I totally understand why that might make you feel icky and not be what you want to be doing. But, you know, like maybe there's something else. Maybe it's like a short walk. Maybe it's just closing your eyes and taking a micro nap. Maybe it is sending a text to a friend. Like maybe there's something else that you would enjoy in those transitions rather than forcing yourself to do something just because you've heard that other people enjoy that. I mean, the other thing is that I didn't really, you know, mention this, but like, are you choosing books that 
you actually like or that you feel like you should be choosing. And maybe there is some lighter, fluffier fodder that you'd be more excited to pick up in these really brief moments. Like maybe you have a memoir, a celebrity memoir on your Kindle app that like is your go-to for these really tiny bits of time. And maybe that would be more fun than kind of delving back into a complicated novel. So I don't know, I guess I would just question whether this goal is necessarily worth having or like, is it to like, what are you actually trying to achieve here? Yeah, or maybe even read something like essays or poems or whatever that's designed to be read in very short periods of time. She was also asking, though, of course, that, that time before you go to bed, that that can be prime reading time. But if you're feeling really brain dead at that point, I would suggest aiming down in your genre of literature as well. And just if you want to be reading, maybe this is not the time for, I don't know, late stage Virginia Woolf. Like just something else. (laughs) And uh, maybe if it's a little bit lighter or easier, even magazines, because it's still reading, you know, but it feels a little bit less like it's demanding necessarily. And if you do want to read and want to use those longer chunks of time, as you're mentioning, which usually before bed, it can be a longer chunk of time. I would imagine that she's probably getting at least, you know, 20 minutes, which I, when you have young kids, 20 minutes is a long chunk of time. Let's not talk about like having three hours or something. Cause yes, you're right. Not really in this stage of life, most likely, but you could do that. But she had made a point about transitions, which, you know, I'm going to throw this out to our listeners as well. Cause I think this may be actually one of those personality framework things I have discovered as I talk to people about how they spend their time that some people seem to, I'm not going to say need, or they just sort of want or feel it is harder to transition quickly from one thing to another. And I know that many of the people who were trying working from home for the first time during the pandemic experienced a lot of sort of tension around that because it's like you're in your personal life and then boom, you're in your work life and there's no transition between the two. Whereas a commute, even if people generally hate commuting, provides that transition and it gets you in a different mental space. And so there are ways around that. Like you can obviously create transitions. I mean, people would go like walk around their block and then come in and like they create a fake commuter, like go run an errand at the end of your workday. Like you'll pick up milk and then come back and like, oh, now I'm in a different space. Or, you know, even just listening to certain music or like, you know, when you write your intentions, that creates a transition or you light a candle. I don't know. A certain scented candle makes you think like now I am in work mode or now I'm in home mode or whatever you can do to create a transition. But I tend to think that there are some people who move slower from one thing to the other. And if you have noticed this about yourself or you've noticed that you are particularly quicker at transitions than maybe some other people you know or other people in your family, I'd love to hear about it. So write into us about it and maybe we'll see like what that demarcation is in there. I've always moved pretty quickly from one thing to another. And I, I don't know if that's just having work from home forever and having lots of kids and thus needing to transition quickly. But I don't you too, though, Sarah, right? You do transitions pretty fast. I do. And, and I have very little patience for those who don't. So I probably need to work on this and think about that a little bit, because some of my children might enjoy longer transitions, especially like in the morning or at bedtime or and, and stuff like that. So that yeah, that's a really interesting one. I We could do a whole transitions episode. I think <laughs> This this might have to happen. Yeah. Well, sometimes, you know, at this stage of life, you have to make quick transitions, I think, with young kids. And maybe that's one of the things that makes people feel kind of 
agitated during the young kids stage is if they do need more transition time and they're not getting it because of the, the circumstances of life. So something to think about. We'll explore that more. All right. Love of the week. Sarah, what do you have? So I wrote a blog post like a month ago or so asking for reader suggestions for their favorite underwear because we just did our upgrade episode last last week. But, or, you know, I was I wanted to upgrade my underwear. So I bought Notori for a number of years and it's great, but I just like wanted to see what else was out there. And a lot of people suggested Lululemon, which is not like I didn't think of them for that. But I ordered a couple of their styles, both the Underease and Invisiwear. And I think they're great. They're like very minimal in design, super comfortable. And yeah, I like it. Awesome. Underwear. Maybe I need to go for that. <laughs> I've just been buying random packages on Amazon. So although speaking of which, I mean, this is the issue. I got to say, Amazon Prime, they have, I mean, I know there's issues, but people have figured out. They have figured out how to make life easier for busy families with anything. I mean, just um, the party favors for Alex's party came seemingly instantly. The trainer I was working out with, you know, we talked on a Thursday and he sent me links of some things to buy. And we met for the first time on Monday and they were all there. Like everything was there before our first session. It's just, it, you know, makes not having That's to go to a they store. Read your to... mind and they knew you wanted that before you ordered it. <laughs> they may. Well, I don't. It's true. They could have. I mean, I, they heard me talking about it. I don't know. I don't have the Alexa app or anything like that. But uh, yeah, who knows? But they figured it out. So I had my equipment. It was all ready to go on Monday when we had our session. And that is pretty, pretty darn fast because otherwise I would have had to go to the store over the weekend or something. And I did not have to. All right. Well, this has Agreed. been... Agreed. They've gotten me out of a lot of parenting last minute yeah, school issues. requests. So. Yeah. You know, need Shout out. poster board. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this has been thinking of things not going as planned. Like, what? What do you mean you have a science fair project too? <laughs> Sometimes things don't go as planned because other people don't plan. Oh, imagine that. Well, we will be back next week with more on making work and life fit together. Thanks for listening. You can find me, Sarah, at theshoebox.com or at the underscore shoebox on Instagram. And you can find me, Laura, at lauravandercam.com. This has been the Best of Both Worlds podcast. Please join us next time for more on making work and life work together. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. 
Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's. Because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable.